If you're over in the venue, welcome. Pastor Brandon, thanks for leading us. And if you're watching online, really glad you're with us. It was, uh, it was about a month ago that uh, I started preparing for today. And uh, uh, I was driving my son back to the airport, and uh, Pastor Rick told me that this was the weekend that he wanted me to, uh, uh, to teach. And so uh, I had to have him in the airport some crazy time, like 4.30 in the morning or something like that. And so I dropped him off, and I'm driving back, watching everybody go to the Bay Area, waving at him, <laughs> and then I'm coming back this way. And uh, it was, I just, I just started really saying, God, what is it you want me to do? What, what do you want me to what do you want me to teach on? What do you want me to talk on? We're not in the middle of a series. It's, it's after Christmas. It's, where, 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 where should we go? I really, really love the Christmas story. And I think the reason why I love the Christmas story so much is because it came, be, at one point, it was so routine and so just kind of, bleh, you know? And I just, I'm like, okay, the manger and the sheep and the stable and Mary, Joseph, I've heard it. It's the same story every year. And uh, God grabbed me one year. And he said, stop. You, you got it all wrong. This is, this is everything. This isn't just a story. I want you to see me. I want you to, to recognize me in this. I want you to let this story explode into your life. I want you to see me doing something great that I had planned since since the beginning of, before the beginning of time, I want you to see that I'm, I'm, I'm saving my people. I'm continuing my covenant. I want you to see the story of, of the birth of Christ for the, for the majesty that it is. And oh man, I started to read it differently. I started to study it differently. I started to engage with it differently. I yearned to relook at it over and over again throughout the year. It, it began to take on a really special, special meaning to me. And I think one of the most special parts of the Christmas story is that it involves just normal, everyday people. It just involves people like you and me. Just going through the daily grind of life, and all of a sudden, God's doing something outrageous. He's doing something unthinkable. He's doing something that only he could do. And so I was really, you know, just spending my time driving, talking, saying, God, is this, can we go in this direction? Can, I, can, I, can we look at the Christmas story? Can we, is this what you want me to do? And, and, and I just, I heard very clearly, hey, I want you to go to your, your, your friend's place of work. I want you to stop, stop in, see him, talk to him. I'm like, all right, I really want to go to my office, but if this is what we're going to do, that's what we're going to do. And so I made a right turn off the freeway instead of a left turn, and I found myself at his office. I rolled up, and he's a, he's a contractor, so in his yard, all the guys were loading up the trucks, getting ready to pull out, and I was like, oh, this could be a busy time. And then uh, I head into his, his office area, and he's about ready to sit down to a sales meeting, and I was like, hmm, probably not the best time just to drop in. And uh, he goes, hey, and he pointed at a chair. He goes, sit down. I was like, eh. okay. So I sat down, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on now. And uh, all of a sudden, he opens up his Bible. And you see, every Monday morning when he has a sales meeting, he starts by sharing a devotion with his, with his staff. And he goes, uh, this morning, it's going to be real short. And uh, I love my friend, but there's not a lot that he talks about, especially when it comes to God that's short, because he loves God and loves God's word. And he just talks about it. And so, but it really was. I, I, here's what it was. It's found in John Chapter two, verse five, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. 
That was Mary saying to the servants at a wedding banquet after they had run out of wine and Mary had went to Jesus and said, we need more wine. Jesus goes, you know, basically, why are you telling me? And Mary, in great faith, just simply looked at the servants and said, do what he tells you. And the rest of the story is Jesus turned water into wine. It was the first of the miracles. And it was, it was an amazing, amazing sight, I'm sure, to see. And as my friend closed up the word of God, he just simply said, is there anything further that needs to be said? Do what he tells you. And in light of my conversation on the way there with God and thinking through the message, I was like, that's it. Thank you, Lord. I, who would have thought I'd end up at somebody else's place of business to hear this, to see you open this up. That's it. That's it. There's so many beautiful things about the Christmas story, but isn't one of those things the fact that there was just a group of obedient people who had an opportunity to turn away from God, but instead stepped forward into what God's plan was, had the opportunity to go, no, no, not me, uh uh-uh, but instead in obedience said yes. And what happened? Blessing followed. There's a phrase that's become really meaningful in my life. I've shared it with you before, but it's that blessing follows obedience. Everything from God that has to do with salvation, that is an absolute positive free gift. And we are, we are forgiven, and that's because of his wonderful love and his act on the cross and, and, and what he did to forgive us and his grace and his love, and it's, it abounds, and all we do is receive it. But then as he enters our life, he wants to bless us. And we see throughout scripture, page after page after page after page in scripture, that blessing from God comes to those who are obedient, those who say yes. There's a moment in our lives, many moments, and they stack up upon each other where God says now, right now, This direction, right, not left, this way, not that way. This is the truth, that's not the truth. This is right, that's wrong. And when we're obedient, there's blessing that follows. And the great story of blessing in scripture is the very presence of God and him unfolding his kingdom plan with us in the midst of it. A lot of people don't know this about me, but... uh, I, I, I want to be involved in that plan. I, uh, I want to experience the outrageous power of God. I want, to, I, I want to experience the supernatural. I want to experience the miraculous. And I got to when he saved me. There's no doubt about it. I was a wretched, horrible person. I absolutely, positively deserved death. And God gave me life. Yeah. The things I did, the things I said, the way I treated people, I don't deserve anything. And as I experienced that, and I began to read scripture, and I began to read things like the Christmas story and the way that God used a normal person, I'm like, God, I want to I be used. And it's, he's like, well, be obedient. <laughs> I'm literally that guy that every time I go in a swimming pool, I stand on the edge and go, this time, can I walk on water? I've sunk every time, but I, I, I'm waiting for that moment. I want to experience the outrageous power of God. And I have in so many special ways. And it always, always, always comes in the form of blessing in my obedience to him. 
Can we relook at the Christmas story? Let's relook at it this morning in light of blessing. Let's see if we can't pull out some things about obedience and blessing that follows. See if there's not something we can learn about this idea of living an obedient life and receiving the blessing that follows that obedience. Obedience is not always easy. We see from Mary's life found in Luke chapter one. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a town of Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Right there in the midst of that passage, we understand that Mary, at whatever young age she was, was an obedient follower of God. That she was a faithful follower of God. That she was trustworthy with the things of God. And how do we know that from that statement? Because the Lord was with her. Because she'd already begun to receive the blessings of God. She was being blessed with the Lord's presence, for the Lord is with her. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greetings this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. I would have been freaking out. Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. Blessing follows obedience. You will conceive a and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. You ready? For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. She had a moment would she be obedient. She had a moment. How would she respond? She had a moment would she trust? Would she commit her ways? Would she step forward? And she did. Lord, may it be as you said. But, but don't for a second think that she was supernatural because she wasn't. Don't for a second think that she wasn't just one of us. Can you imagine what began to race through her mind? We don't know, but can you imagine? Because she's just like you and I. I did all the right things. I, 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 I responded rightly. I, per, I protected myself. I was, I was never alone with a man. I was never alone with Joseph. I, I, was, I, I saved myself. I waited. I, I did. I was, I was supposed to be married soon. And now I'm pregnant? My reputation. You're going to bring the, the son of God through somebody whose reputation is tarnished? Whose reputation can't stand in front of people? How are you going to do that? Will, will I even make it through? Will I be stoned? For sure I'll be shunned. How do I tell my father? 
Dad, I'm pregnant. It's not easy to be obedient. It's not easy to follow the Lord's plans. It's not easy to say yes. But she did. And what was her blessing? What was her blessing? She, she gave birth to the Messiah. She gave, she gave birth to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. God who took on human form and came into the world. Remember, fully God, but fully man. I mean, she held him when he was cold. She gave him warmth. She fed him. She wiped his nose. She helped him walk. He fell down. She cleaned up his, his knees. She taught him how to talk. She helped him learn how to respond. He was fully God, no doubt. He had wisdom and, and understanding and insight that was well beyond anything they'd ever seen. But he still came as a baby and still had to be cared for and still had to be nurtured. And Mary was able to do that because she was obedient. But it wasn't in that first act. That wasn't the first time she was ever obedient. That wasn't the first time she'd ever received the blessing of God. It had been coming time after time. It had been delivered time after time because she, why? Because she had said yes many other times. It's in the small little details of life. And I'll bet many of them weren't easy as well. My wife and I, our first church that we went to, we had to go through a candidating process and they flew us to Virginia and we got off the plane and we were met by a, um, a mom and her daughter and daughter was about 14 and they began to show us around Leesburg, Virginia and as we saw some things, we were just talking and sharing things about our family and it, it was a natural response to what I was, you know, who I was interacting with. I said, well, well, we have an opportunity to meet your husband and she goes, uh, my husband passed away. I'm sorry. She goes, oh, no, it's okay. I go, well, what happened? And soon we had made our way to a McDonald's. There wasn't much in Leesburg, so we had an ice cream at McDonald's. And we sat there and talked, and she began to tell a story about he was the former pastor of the church we were candidating at. And God had given them a vision and, and, and an insight and, and, a, and a plan to be in, in ministry together. And so they went to school and they studied and they did all the things they were to do and they were given this church to shepherd and oh how they loved their church and then they were given this beautiful daughter and Pastor Granger was so enamored with his daughter that he named her Joy for was, she was his joy and he loved her so much and he was just so devoted to her and cared about her so much. And one day with a lump on his shoulder, he went and had it looked at and a short time later he had passed away after a battle. And she stayed at that church and she kept loving that church even though there was a new pastor now. And I said, well, have you ever, have you remarried? Are you seeing anybody? She goes, oh no. She goes, and I won't be. And I go, I don't understand. She goes, God told me very clearly that I was not to remarry at this time, that my whole attention was supposed to be on joy. And I went, yeah, but, but scripture doesn't say you have to do that. You can, you can remarry. She goes, oh, I'm very, very knowledgeable of what scripture says. <laughs> and she goes, but this is what God told me. 
I go, that can't be easy. And she goes, not at all. She goes, there's so many times that I want a husband by my side. There's so many times I want my family to be different than what it is. There's so many times. But I know that this is what God is asking me to do, to put my full attention on my daughter and to raise her. And there will be time later for the things that I want. But right now, this is where I'm supposed to have my attention. And as a teacher and a mom, she raised her daughter. Oh, one of the most precious young ladies you'd ever meet. She went off to college and, and loves Jesus, is married, has a beautiful family. What a blessing, right? To have a daughter that walks with the Lord. That's a great blessing. It wasn't too long after she had entered into college, there was a man that moved to town and uh, joined a, a, a physician's practice and met Suzette and they got married. Blessing follows obedience. But it's not always easy. We want it to be easy, but it's not always that way. Obedience can mean that it goes against our feelings. Obedience can mean going against your feelings. Let's look at Joseph in Matthew 1. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public grace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. At that time, it wasn't like it is now with, hey, let's get married. Okay, we're engaged. It was, it was a covenant. You didn't break that. Once you got engaged, you prepared for your future for a time, but it was a covenant. It was set. The only way to, to get out of that covenant, the only way to break off the engagement was to get divorced. The only grounds you could find for divorce in scripture would be Marital unfaithfulness, adultery, it didn't mean you had to, but it was the only grounds that you could find. So here's Joseph, and he's the woman he's in a covenant with is, is saying, oh, I'm pregnant. And he's like, oh, I'm out. He was a faithful man. He was a righteous man. There was nothing wrong with that response at all. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. When Jesus woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. His feelings were, were, were fine. His feelings were, hey, I'm not going to make a public spectacle of you. I'm not going to get mad at you, but we're not going to get married. According to the law, hey, you, you go ahead, you go your way, and I'll go my way. He had, a, he had a choice. It wasn't a choice between right and wrong. It was a choice between good and best. He had a choice between, yes, the law says this, and the law also affirmed that he could keep her. They can stay married. There's a difference between good and best. And, and what best is, is what God says is best. And he chose to be obedient. He chose to be obedient. He had to go against his feelings. And our feelings so often lie to us, don't they? Are so, our feelings are so often selfish and our feelings are so often, hey, I don't want the uneasy way. I don't want the hurtful way. I want to protect myself. That's what our feelings often do. Our feelings often twist the truth. Our feelings often cause us not to look 
for what God wants, but for what is the easiest path. And he chose God's best. What was the blessing? Same as Mary's. He was the father to Jesus. He was the earthly father to Jesus. He got to raise Jesus. He got to stand in the gap for Mary. He got to walk in front of her. I would imagine that Joseph had some pretty big shoulders. We're not told that. But I'd imagine he had a pretty big heart. I'd imagine he had a little bit of a a little bit of gusto to his step because God gave him a job to do. And I'd imagine that the ones that wanted to come against Mary, that there were plenty of moments that he had to stand up and go, hey, enough. Knock off your ridicule. Shut your mouths. You want her, you come through me first. Blessing. He got to walk in front of Mary and Jesus, he got to protect them. He got to care for them. He got to be the man in their life. He got to answer the call of God. And then he got to raise Jesus up. Dads, he got to teach Jesus those, those dad things, those boy things. Here, son. Here's how you throw the rock. I don't know what they had, but I'm sure they threw something. No! <laughs> don't hit the animals. Just over here. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what you're talking about. You got to do it, right? All the things we do with our kids. By the way, <laughs> Joseph and Mary didn't fully understand the whole thing. Dads, you don't fully understand who your sons or daughter are going to be yet but you get to raise them up. You get to be the man. You get to be the husband. You get to be the father in their lives. God called you to it. You're blessed. Blessing follows obedience. We also learn that obedience can require sacrifice. Obedience can require sacrifice. We look at the, the story of the Magi. Matthew chapter two. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Obedience can often require sacrifice. We think that this journey took them some two years to get there. Come on, I live 15 minutes away from church and sometimes I struggle to get here. I mean, I'm like, come on. You know, it's traffic. Or I wake up and I'm like, I don't know if I want to come to church. I'm tired. They traveled for two years to worship the king. It required sacrifice on their part. It required sacrificing time with their family. It required sacrificing some plan they had during those two years. And me, man, if I'm just on my path to do a couple things and I'm about to get railroaded and have to spend some time with somebody else, I'm like, do you know what I have to do? Do you know how important I am in my plans? Obedience. Well, many times cause us to sacrifice. And then they brought gifts 
They had to sacrifice their resources. They sacrificed their time. They sacrificed their family. And what was their blessing? Same as Mary, same as Joseph. They got to be in the presence of the living God. They got to be in the presence of the Messiah. But if they were normal people, just like Joseph, just like Mary, I wonder if after that interaction with Herod, I wonder now, I'm not told, but if they were normal people like us, and they were, I wonder if they didn't pull Mary and Joseph aside and go, hey, that Herod guy, he's kind of crazy. I mean, he's, he's, he's a regular lunatic. And based on the questions he was asking us, I'm pretty sure he's on the lookout for you. I don't know what all of his plans are, but I'd stay away if I were you. I wonder if God did not bring them two years in a journey to have them interact with Herod to bring that information to Mary and Joseph. Do we know that from scripture? We are not told that, but they're normal people. And if I had just had that interaction with Herod, if you had just had that interaction with Herod, he'd be like, hey, Joseph, man, I know you got this job protecting your family. Get ready. Put the helmet on. Buckle up. I think it's coming. Well, let's see what happens next that we do know. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up and took his mother, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord said to the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. Obedience saved the life of Jesus. I wonder if it wasn't part of the obedience of the, of the Magi. That wouldn't have seemed like such a crazy dream, would it? Would you have woken up and went, oh, that's weird. Why would he want to do that? If you had just had a conversation with the Magi who had just had a conversation with King Herod who had just heard some of the stuff they heard. I wonder if that's not what took place. We don't know. But because there were some men that decided to be obedient, which caused them to sacrifice two years of their life, we do know that the blessing, they have to be in the presence of the Holy One. And Joseph steps up again, even though he probably wanted to go home. He wanted to get back to normal life, if you will. He said, we're out of here. We're gonna make another choice. We're gonna make another decision to be obedient. And what happened is the Messiah was saved. Obedience will often require sacrifice. It's rarely easy. And so, uh, so many times it'll go against our feelings. It's usually not a, a choice between right and wrong. It's most often a choice between good and best. Remember that guy that I said the Lord sent me to and said, hey, I want you to stop by his place. Well, his name's Bob. Come on up here, Bob. I asked him to uh, join us. And... Uh, Bob loves talking about Jesus Christ. He loves to talk about how God has impacted his life and the things he's done. And, but there was this day in this story that he told me about where it was going to require sacrifice. 
And Bob, you had a day all planned out. You were on your way to appointments. You had sales calls lined up. And I mean, you're, you're going to go make money. Tell us the rest of the story. So I just left a, a sales appointment in Patterson. I was heading down Highway 5. Uh, I was heading to like to Dos Palos, Los Banos, and was heading that way. And as I'm going, uh, God said, you didn't ask me. And, and that's a phrase he, he uses with me a lot. And, uh, and I said, okay, uh, where or, or what? And uh, as I'm going down five, it, just thinking about that and listening and trying to listen, um, I had a stack of cards, business cards, and I, I just kind of cut the deck and I, I was driving and I looked down and said Newman Crow's Landing. And uh, I'd been to Newman Crow's Landing. I'd been to this place before four or five times and it, was, it definitely was a, kind of a dead place for me. And I'm like, it can't be that. Um, so I'm driving in the next sign that comes up, it says Newman, next exit or quarter mile or whatever it said. And so um, I'm thinking, is that where you want me to go? Or is, you know, are you Newman? And uh, I think I'm better off going to Dos Palos or Los Banos. But uh, there was definitely a piece, um, God speaking, yes, go to Newman. So that's what I did. I took the exit, went to Newman, went up into the office where, that I, I knew uh, where this guy was at, and went upstairs in the reception and said, no, that guy's not here anymore. There's a new guy. His name is Matt Vargas. And um, he's so new, he doesn't even have business cards. She wrote down his cell phone on a post-it note, and I took the post-it note, and I left and got in my truck, and, and God said, call him, but don't leave. So I'm sitting in my truck. I call a guy. I figure, you know, I'm going to get a voicemail, but he picks up the phone, and I introduced myself, told him who I was, and, and I said, man, I, I get it. I know you're slammed. Um, you know, if we could just connect after school's out, that'd be great. And he said, so you're, you're a floor guy? And I said, yeah. And he goes, where are you at? And I said, oh, I'm in front of your office. He's all, you're still there. I said, yeah. He goes, you got a minute? If I came there right now, could you meet with me? And I said, yeah, sure. So he shows up in the golf cart and I get out and he gets, you know, shake hands, hi, go into his office. He breaks out a chair, he sits it down. He's like, hey man, he goes, uh, just first, right out the gate, I want you to know that I'm a man of God. I do everything with God or through God. And he goes, and you'll get to know that about me if, if we wind up working together. He's like, I hope you're cool with that. And I go, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, that's good. I'm good with that. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, right? And uh, so we, we had our meeting and, and it was real clear to me that the man had a lot on his plate. He's definitely a high octane guy. Um, shared, a, shared a bunch of stuff with me about, you know, just his job and how, how trying it is and it's a new job and everything. And, and, uh, and, and I left and, um, and uh, drove down the road. I was going to grab a sandwich. I pulled in the parking lot and, and, and God said, you didn't pray for him. I was like, oh yeah, I didn't even think about praying for him, which was kind of weird. You know, he says he's a brother and he's got all this stuff on his plate and I didn't even think about praying. I was like, oh gosh. So I start praying for him and he says, no, 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 call him and pray for him. So I call him thinking I'm going to get, um, I didn't know if he was going to pick up or not, but I get his, I get his voicemail. So I start praying on his voicemail and I, and I initially started praying over his job and that God would give him strength and understanding on a new job and new, you know, this new position and wisdom, discernment. And then all of a sudden I start praying about uh, tragedy, uh, how tragedy comes into our lives and that, that you're the man of your house and that, that you have to rise up and that that, that 
horrible circumstances happen and things happen and, and you can't let it break you and you got to be on the lookout and, and Satan wants to take bad things and make them into worse things but you're the man of your house and God's going to give you grace and you got to listen to him and you got to follow him and you got to protect and you got to look out and all this stuff and as I'm praying I'm thinking man this guy's going to think I'm a weirdo um, you know <laughs> still not going to get business in Newman um, but uh you know, I just kept praying, and, and, um, and I hung up, and I was walking across the parking lot, and, uh, he, and my phone rings. He calls me. He's like, hey, Bob, it's Matt. And I said, I said, oh, yeah, hey. He goes, hey, first of all, thank you for praying for my job. It really, I really appreciate that. It really means a lot to me. He goes, but I got to tell you something. He's like, there's something you got to know. And I said, okay. And, and he, goes, he goes, man, he goes, what you just prayed? He's like, what God just said to me through you? He's like, you don't know. You don't know. And, and I said, yeah, I said, tell me. And, um, and uh, he goes, man, there's days it's hard for me to get out of bed. So there's days and times it's hard for me to put one foot in front of the other foot. There's, there's times it's hard for me to breathe. He's like, you don't know what just happened. He goes, you don't know what God just did. And I said, he goes, I got to tell you something. And he kept saying it and saying it. And, and then finally he says, he goes, this July, it's going to be a year that our, uh, that our two-year-old daughter, Emma, drowned in the pool in our backyard. He goes, and I'm having a real bad week. He goes, I'm having a real, real bad day. My wife is a school teacher, an elementary school teacher. It's really, really hard. And you didn't know that. I'm never going to erase this message. As soon as I get off the phone with you, I'm going to call my wife. And I'm going to tell her about it. I'm going I'm to play it for her. He's like, you didn't know. He's like, thank you. Thank you for being obedient. Thank you for the phone call. We can sit here and, you know, we can say, oh, well, man, I see the blessing. But let's not do that. Tell us. You were obedient. You sacrificed your plans, potential profits, whatever it happened to be. And you were obedient. What was the blessing? Yeah, what, what could have happened down the road is nothing. Nothing. What I could have got down there is nothing compared to what God did and allowed me to see and allowed me to watch. Matt's his son, Heather's his daughter. And God allowed me to, to witness him lavishing his love and his grace on Matt. Allowed me to be used to help a man put one foot in front of the other, to help a man breathe. A man that's crying out. Uh, there's nothing that was down the road where I was headed that could ever, ever be anything like that. That's it. Just do what he tells you. Do what he tells you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Father, I thank you for my brother and his obedience. I thank you for the blessing that flowed. Well, we, we, there's stories like that all over this room from your, your faithful followers, your children who you've said something to and they've been obedient and blessing has flowed. Lives have been changed and families have been altered and, and hope has been given. I'm sure this was a difficult season for Matt and his wife. I'm sure this was a tough time, just like it has been for many in this room. So we pray for him. We pray for those in this room that have been struggling. That you would continue to pour out. You would use people 
like Bob and others to, to pour into their lives, that we'd be an obedient people and usher in your hope and your peace and we'd receive that blessing. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. I said it earlier, there's no possible way that these people were used because they woke up someday and said, hey, God, use me. It was the daily grind of practicing obedience. It was daily. It was in the little moments and the small details and the, and, and the moments where nobody's looking. God says, right, and they go, right. God says, now, and it's now. God says, no, and they don't. I don't ever know when that moment of obedience will transform lives all around us. We'll never know when that moment of obedience will, will echo throughout generations. But we're positive of this, that every moment of obedience, blessing will follow. How do we learn to become more obedient? How do we grow in our, in our obedience? There really is a formula. So many times we're like, well, you know, I don't really know, maybe. No, there is a formula. And we talk about that a formula constantly. You go, are members, attenders, involved in a church where your senior pastor never fails to give you the formula. He never fails to give you that next step. And so I'm going to give it to you again today. We got to be in the word. We have to be in the word. I'm going to give you three things. And I put be in front of them. Not because it was some cute way of organizing a sermon. But because we have to be, we have to exist. Our very presence has to be wrapped up in these three things. I can be a lot of places. I can be a lot of things. I can be involved in, but I have to be. I have to exist in the word of God. It has to completely overtake my life and I have to engage fully in it. Psalms 119 verses one and two says this. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statues and seek him with all of their heart. When we know the word of God, when we're in the word of God, blessing <laughs> is gonna follow. Now there's some things we have to do with the word of God. We just can't like, you know, have a you know, Here's some things we do with the word of God. We have to read it. And that might seem, you know, well, yeah. No, no, we have to read it. Because this crazy app that showed up on my phone. I don't even know how it got there. And it says it's a news feed thing. And, and, and now I get like newspaper articles from all over the world. And I'm like, hey, this is pretty cool. Except for then I found out that it's tracking me. And every time I pull up one article, I get 15 more that are about the same subject. I'm like, whoa, it knows what I'm reading. I can spend hours on that thing. <laughs> a 
can know a lot about what's going on in the world. But do I know the thoughts and heart of my God? I have to read the word of God. I have to, I, I have to read it and take it in. And I, I, I have to get to know my God. I got to get to know his, his the things that he, he thinks and what is right and what is wrong and how he's responded to other people and how he's acted in different situations. Stories of his great power. <laughs> how did I know that you can actually walk on water? Because I read it in here. How did I know that a few fishes can feed five, 10,000 people? Because I read it in here. How did I know that the, that the people can be raised from the dead and, and I believe it and, and that it can be me and it is me and it will be me and because I read it right here. How did I know that my Lord will never leave me nor forsake me because I read it right here. How did I know that all things work out for the good of those who love him because I read it right here. How did I know that blessing follows obedience because I read it right here. Then I need to remember it. Psalms 119 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. All sorts of stuff flows out of my mouth. I mean, all sorts of stuff. There's some good and there's some bad and there's some ugly. It all flows out. But when I am pouring God's word into my life and I'm remembering it and it's becoming a part of who I am, then God's word starts to flow out of my life. I begin to make decisions based upon my memory of scripture. I begin to interact with people based upon my memory of scripture. I, I talk to students all the time, and man, they can, you can be in the middle of a conversation, all of a sudden they pop out some line from a movie, right? You guys have been there. And all of a sudden the whole group of students is laughing. I'm like, I missed that movie. <laughs> uh. That's supposed to happen with us, followers of Christ. We're in conversation and the word of God flows from our mouth. We're interacting about a subject and the word of God flows from our mouth. Somebody's going through a tough time and the word of God flows from our mouth. There's a choice to be made and the word of God flows from our mouth because it's hidden in our heart. We have to remember the word. We have to read the word. We have to remember the word and we have to allow the word of God to renew us. Psalms 119 says, teach me, Lord, the ways of your decrees that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. The word of God needs to be a measure for us. The word of God needs to renew us and transform us. It measures all of our decisions. It measures all of our choices. The word of God is what all of life is measured against. And it renews me. It transforms my thinking. It transforms my decision-making ability. It transforms the direction of my life. It renews me. To read it and remember it, but to do nothing with it, that's foolishness. I need to allow it to renew me. Can I give you a challenge? It's the new year, right? You're going to get a thousand challenges. Hey, lose some weight. Don't, don't, I don't I'm not going there. And I won't be one of the ones that fail because I'm not trying. <laughs> Read more. Okay, do it. For sure, do it. Study more, do it. Spend more time with your family. Absolutely. For the next seven days, 
Spend a week in Psalm 119. That's it. I'm not talking about a year. I'm not talking. Next seven days. Spend a week in Psalm 119. Longest chapter in the Bible. Put a little notch in your belt. I read the longest chapter in the Bible. Seven days. 119. You know what it talks about? God's word. It talks about the majesty and the power of God's word. Sometimes we just need to be reminded about how magnificent the word of God is. Psalms 119, seven days. Take that challenge and it just might catapult you into a very special year. It might just ignite a flame that needs to be ignited. And it won't be because somebody said, hey, spend some time in the word. It'll be because you've been in it and you can't get out of it. Be in prayer. Psalms 46 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. When we're obedient, God is exalted. When we're obedient, God is exalted to all the nations. When we listen to God's voice and act in a manner that he chooses for us to act in, go in a manner that he chooses us to go, go in a direction the way he wants us to go, he is exalted. He does not need us to make him famous. He is famous without us. But he chooses to use us to make him famous. What a blessing. What a blessing. But here's the problem. We think being in prayer means yapping the whole time. Okay, God, here's what I want next, and here's how you should take care of this, and by the way, there's this, and by the way, can you do this, you know, that person over there, okay, and then there's this, and there's that. I can talk for a long, long time. I've been doing it already this morning. You're already tired of it. Imagine how God feels. And we yap, and we yap, and we yap, and we yap, and it's good. Your father wants to hear you, guaranteed. The question is, do we ever stop and listen? Because I say that to him sometimes. I'm like, Dad, how come I'm not hearing your voice? He goes, how come you don't shut up? <laughs> He's going to speak to you through the word, first and foremost. But then there's this still voice. This, this voice that is meaningful to you. That you recognize and it's the way that God speaks to you. And when you hear his voice, you're like, oh, it's God. I don't know. Maybe some of you, it's the James Earl Jones thing. I don't know. For others, maybe it's this really soft, tender voice. I, I, I don't think it matters. What matters is that you recognize it. But you can't recognize it. I can't recognize it if I never listen to it. If I never slow down, if I never stop, if I never say, Father, please speak to me. If I never say, hey, I'm gonna, I got a lot going on and there's a lot of things I wanna say, but right now I'm gonna listen. Would you direct my prayers? Would you tell me what to say to you? Here's this instance that I'm in and you know it already. I'm gonna say a few things about it, but now will you tell me how to handle it and I'm gonna listen. It will always align itself with scripture. You hear something that doesn't align itself with scripture, that was the burrito from last night. Okay, it will always, always align itself with scripture, but we have got to be still and listen. I don't care where I am. I could be in this auditorium. I could be in a mall. I could be in a football stadium and it does not matter. If one of my two boys yells out my name, dad, there, what, what? 
Your son or your daughter yells out, Dad, I don't even care. I didn't hear it. Somebody's yelling. I didn't hear it. My kids yell, boom. Why? Because I've spent 19 and 17 years listening to their voice. I can recognize it anywhere. I can hear it anywhere. The moment the phone rings, I didn't need a little display to tell me his name because it's my son. Do you know God's voice like that? Have you listened well enough that when he speaks, you're like, boom, that's my God. That's the Lord of my life. Spend time being still and knowing that God is the Lord of your life. And finally, be in practice. James 2.17 says, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Whoever can be trusted with very little, from Luke 16, can also be trusted with much. But whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. We're back all the way to where we started. We have to be in practice in those little moments of life with our thoughts and with our words and with our choices and our decisions and our, do I go here? Do I go there? And do I, do I interact here? Do I sacrifice this? This isn't too easy. I don't really feel like that. For we don't know. We don't know which one of those acts of obedience will change generations. We don't know all the blessings that will be attached to all those acts of obedience, but there will be blessing. It will follow. Blessing follows obedience. We have to practice it. We have to trust. We have to engage. We have to surrender our lives to the will of God every day and all the details. Be in the word. Be in prayer. Be in practice. May this be a year of great blessing that will follow your obedience. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for the way that you interact with us, that you've made yourself available to us, that you have called us into your presence. Oh, you're a great God. So compassionate and so full of love. Father, help us to be obedient. Help us to follow closely to you. And may we experience your blessings. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.